after me. Muddy Waters was a blues great, a keystone when it comes to the history of the blues. He himself was influenced by many of the early Delta Blues guitar players, and Muddy influenced many of the next waves of blues greats, both acoustic and electric. In fact, he's still influencing blues greats today. On today's show, we're going to have a look at Muddy's guitar style and see what little nuggets you can pull from it and apply to your own guitar playing. Hey TAC family, this is episode 279 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be sprinkling in some acoustic news you can use, which includes four new albums you can pre-order today, two hockey greats embracing their acoustic side, and much, much more. Plus, you're going to meet TAC family member Mike G who's going to share some deep wisdom from his guitar journey that might help you get in touch with the very deep meaning and purpose of guitar in your life. You'll see what I mean when I interview Mike, but first, let's talk Muddy Waters and his guitar style. First, a couple of things. Disclaimer. This is not a note-for-note -note transcription or me teaching you how to play a Muddy Waters song note-for-note. -note. This is quite simply looking at his guitar style at large, his approach to music, so that you can maybe look through your own playing through Muddy's eyes. In a way, that's kind of cool. Uh, the second thing, two people I have to thank for today's episode that have given me great inspiration and great instruction, uh, Brian from Active Melody. He's got a couple of lessons based on Muddy Waters style that are really, really awesome. Please check those out. And then also Tom Feldman of Play Country Blues. I've been really digging into his lesson on I Can't Be Satisfied, uh, a Muddy Waters tune that um, Tom does a great job of teaching. So just want to make sure I give credit where credit is do. Now, I've got 10 guitar nuggets from Muddy Waters, and we're just going to rip right through these. Uh, I'll try my best. Uh, the first one is minimalism. Number 10, minimalism. And when you listen to Muddy play, it's not all about playing all the time and filling every beat. Muddy is a master at leaving musical space. And I believe this is in part, uh, th this comes in two forms. Number one, uh, he played with a band, a pretty full band. So I don't think Muddy was really interested in filling all the beats because he had plenty very capable members in his band. Number two, I think Muddy had a great understanding of the power of space and time within music. I think it's just a phenomenal study when you listen to his playing. We're gonna to listen to the song uh, Walkin' Blues here in just a moment, but I had to check my notes, make sure I had the right song. Uh, you're gonna to listen to Walkin' Blues, and this is a solo performance, just him and his guitar. In fact, I'll leave the intro on because Sun House was late to the show, so Muddy filled in and was playing some of Sun House's tunes. Anyways, uh, very cool moment. If you listen to this song, you're going to notice that the main riff, he's not really doing a whole lot. And when he even goes to the five chord in this blues, he's not even playing all the strings. He's just playing a couple of strings. I'll, I'll play it first here for you, and then we'll listen to the song so you can kind of hear me do it and call it out and then hear it in Muddy's performance. Okay, here's just a couple little snippets of Walkin' Blues.
So there's not a lot going on. It, it feels quite spacious, and I'm not really exaggerating. Uh, with the exception of me singing along, uh, you're gonna hear Muddy play this, you're gonna hear some of those exact snippets, um, and you're gonna hear Muddy leave that space and not even be affected by it and really embrace that space. It's an incredibly powerful tool, and like I said, Muddy is a master at it. Here's that song, Walkin' Blues. I'm just setting in to do a couple of numbers because the old man couldn't, couldn't make it. He didn't get you so far, somehow. And he was my album coming up in my young life, Sunhouse was. I'm gonna try to do one like the uh, old man would do it if he was here. So long since I did it, maybe I can. Well, I woke up this morning feeling I'm from a tree. Tell about that I ain't the most. The more walking blue. I woke up this morning feeling round, feeling round, round from the shoe. Before we get to the next guitar lesson, for those of you wondering, uh, the guitar I was just playing is a Mule Tricone Resonator guitar in a beautiful baby blue, Daphne blue, Sonic blue. I don't know what kind of blue. I call it the Blue Bastard. Uh, but that was that guitar, and I'm keeping that in open G tuning for all demonstration purposes today. And that tuning, just for the record, is D, G, D, G, B, D. That's low string to high string. Uh, right now, I'm using a Beard Decaphonic Sidecar, uh, a fantastic little uh, small body guitar that uh, unfortunately is no longer in production, but man, does it sound awesome. If you can find one used, uh, scoop one up. These things are killer. Uh, so lesson number nine from Muddy Waters is the trill. By no means it was Muddy the only guitar player ever to use this technique, but he does use it a lot, specifically on an E chord, which is why I have this guitar. It's in standard tuning. Um, so go ahead and make an E chord. Now I wanna show you this trill, and then we'll look at some video examples of it. Uh, first and foremost, make this E. I make mine a little goofy. Make the E however you make the E. Mine's just looks probably very strange. Uh, so whatever finger is fretting the G string, all I want you to do is lift that up and do a very quick series of hammer-ons and pull-offs. You can kinda hear it by itself, but Muddy would often strum it and let that that kind of trill carry the weight of the chord, carry the sustain of the chord, because again, he was okay with letting, letting things breathe. And the trill allows the chord to sustain a little bit and stay active in the whole musical scene. Uh, that's not the only note you can use. You can use the finger that's fretting the D string for a little bit more of a beefy sound. If you wanna use the, chord, or the finger that's fretting the A string, you can do that. It's a little bit harder for me. I don't particularly love that one, but all options for you and something that Muddy leaned on pretty heavily, especially when the E was the one chord, kind of this nice home feeling. He could use that trill, sustain the chord, etc. We're gonna look at two examples. The first one is from the song King B. The second one is from the song Blow Wind Blow. These are gonna be very quick little snippets, but I think very quickly you'll see what I'm talking about with him using this trill. Lesson number eight is call and response. And essentially this is singing a line, 
answering it with a guitar lick, singing a line, answering it with a guitar lick. Sounds something like this. Sing the line. Sing the line. Sing the line. And oftentimes it's the same line and the same guitar lick, call and response. And there's a great example of Muddy doing this, singing and playing the song, Catfish Blues. Real quick little side note, uh, you may have already noticed I'm just using a thumb pick today. In all the footage I've seen of Muddy Waters play, it seems that this was what he favored. So I figured since we're giving a nod to Muddy's style, I'd don the thumb pick for today. No finger picks, just the thumb pick. Because I think uh, Muddy used it a lot like a flat pick in a way, but it didn't go anywhere. So it was kind of a nice little security feature. Anyways, moving on to lesson number seven. This has all things to do with feeling the music. If you dress good, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And a great example of this was the Newport uh, Folk Festival of Performance in 1960, July 3rd, 1960, I believe. Not entirely sure on the date, but uh, Muddy and the band played the song, Got My Mojo Working. The crowd was in a frenzy. They came back for an encore, continued the song, and Muddy is there, he's in his suit. He ends up dancing with the harmonica player, I believe it's James Cotton, and he's just clearly feeling it. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. Here's Muddy at the Newport Folk Festival. <laughs> Muddy Waters guitar lesson number six, take the long road. And specifically, I'm talking about slide and approaching the destination note. You know, with slide, you can approach the note from a very short window, a very short slide, something like this. That works just fine, sounds really cool. But Muddy would put these long dramatic approaches to the note and it packed a huge emotional punch. So an example, you know, a short slide looks like this. Muddy might do something like this. These big, long slides. And it's really awesome to hear because, again, let's go back to lesson number one, minimalism and space. This allows Muddy to not play a ton of notes but still get the emotional impact and still create this wonderful musical landscape. I'm not doing a great job of describing it verbally because I don't think you can. So let's, let's hear Muddy do it. Here he is playing the song, They Call Me Muddy Waters. Mm -hmm. 
Lesson number five, edgy vibrato. Now I'm talking about slide guitar again here, and with slide guitar, there is this necessity of vibrato. Think of it as wiggling the note or shaking the note. You can have a smooth vibrato or you can have an edgy vibrato. Muddy was good at both, but I think for, again, emotional impact, he really liked that edgy vibrato. I've got a great example I'm gonna show you here in just a moment, but first, let me show you the difference between the two. Uh, again, I'm on this, this Mule Resophonic guitar. It's tuned to open G, and I'm gonna be sliding on the third fret of the second string. That's what I would call a smooth vibrato, something that's nice and slow and controlled. I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit for effect here, but I just want you to hear this smooth and then we'll contrast it with the edgy. So again, one more time, here's the smooth versus the edgy. It has a little bit more, uh, I, even, even doing it, it's got some more tightness, some more rigidity. And I think, again, it was a way to express, not with a lot of notes, but with how you played the notes. So we're gonna look at Muddy play the song King B here. He's just reaching an end of a guitar solo. And I want you to notice two things. Number one, his use of edgy vibrato. And number two, when he goes back to the one chord, he's gonna use a trill. I just want you to notice that as well. Okay, here he is. Lesson number four is contrast. Now this pertains to any style of play, finger picking, slide, flat picking, you name it. And a lot of times what Muddy would do is he'd play something on the high strings way up high on the guitar neck and then contrast that with something on the low strings way down low on the guitar neck. It's very effective. It almost feels like it has this ping pong effect. And one of the best examples in song where you can hear this is his song, I Can't Be Satisfied. I'm gonna play the main theme for you right now so you can hear what I'm talking about. And very quickly, you're gonna hear the contrast. So you see, way high up on the neck, way down low on the neck. Now, this doesn't just pertain to slide guitar, as I mentioned. Let me grab my other guitar here, and you're gonna see that we can do this fretted as well in conjunction with a shuffle. That would sound like this. quite well in a fretted environment as well, not just slide. And I do believe, I would say that Muddy would likely give a nod to Elmore James for that particular lick. It's something that Elmore James did a lot of and Muddy certainly adopted it into his own style as well. Which brings us to lesson number three, your setup is your setup. Okay, 
I read this book, again, uh, I Can't Be Satisfied, phenomenal book, and towards the end, there was a comment about Johnny Winter trying to play Muddy's Telecaster. And he was saying that the strings were so far off the fretboard that he couldn't even, he couldn't even play it. And Muddy's, was, Muddy's response was, you know, something about your guitar is your guitar and only you can play it, or something along those lines. That's a very poor paraphrase. But anyways, I thought, how, how bad could Muddy's setup be? And I found some video, and the strings are way high off the fretboard, clear up towards the 12th, and, uh, 12th fret and above. It's pretty cool to see, and it also just goes to show that Muddy didn't seem to have a hard time playing on his guitar, but Johnny Winter did. So your setup is your setup. If it's a little high and you like it, just embrace it. Just, just have your setup be high and love it. If it's a little low and you love it, have it be a little low and love it. Okay, here's that video footage of Muddy and the setup on his guitar. I think you will be wowed. Remember, we're looking at the 12th fret and we're looking to see how high the strings are off the 12th fret. Lesson number two is perseverance. And this lesson came from an interview that Muddy did. I can't remember, I wanna say maybe Beat Club is the interview, not 100% sure. Uh, it's a great interview if you wanna catch the whole thing, make sure to check it out. But the, the interviewer asked the question, how did people respond to Muddy's music when he first got to Chicago? And his response, Muddy's response was, I got laughed at a lot. And about a minute later in the interview, he goes on to say how many records he sold uh, when one of his albums was first released. And it's pretty cool to see the difference between the two. And the only reason he got to selling that many records was because he persevered. He kept playing the music that he loved. Okay, here's that interview. Well, now, did you encounter any kind of uh, resistance on the part of people in Chicago towards the kind of music you were playing, that down-home style of music? Well, I got laughed at a lot. And but finally, I got a record on the market and, and started feeling into the field bigger and bigger. How was it that you came to make those records? Uh, you mean with Chess? Yeah. Andrew Till was, was Chess' top man, and he done put out two, three records on him before he finally let my thing go. But he held back on the he release of yours. He held back on the release of mine. But then he issued them, and they became pretty successful for him, didn't they? Oh, uh, yeah. No sooner I hit the street, I got a phone call. He, he released it uh, on Friday evening. I think he released it 10,000 in Chicago on Friday evening. Saturday, 1 o'clock, you couldn't buy one. Really? Right. Sold that fast? Just huh? that fast. Whoop. And they were selling records then for, uh, I think, 79 cents. Uh, like and they went up to $1. ten. I raised the price on it. <laughs> in the final lesson, lesson number one, the blues is family. Now, I found three different instances in which Muddy acknowledges others within the blues realm. The first instance, Muddy acknowledges the generation before him, the generation that inspired him. The second instance, Muddy thanks a contemporary artist for making Muddy Waters popular again. In the third instance, 
Another blues artist shares how Muddy Waters helped him when he first moved to Chicago. We're going to look at these interviews back to back to back. Actually, the first one is a concert performance. It's an intro. Uh, the second one is an interview, and the third one is an interview with Buddy Guy. Really cool moments, and it just goes to show that, you know, when you play music, you're part of a lineage. There are many that have come before. There are many contemporaries. There are many that will come after you. And you're a part of this living, breathing folk thing. And it's a cool feeling. I just got goosebumps talking about it. Okay, let's take a look at these three interviews. I'm just setting in to do a couple of numbers because the old man couldn't, couldn't make it. He didn't get you so far, Sunhouse. And he was my album coming up in my young life. Sunhouse was. I'm gonna try to do one like the, the old man would do it if he was here. And uh, thanks to the Rolling Stone, they introduced me to the white kids in the United States. Because uh -huh. a lot of kids didn't know anything about Muddy Waters until Rolling Stone came out and making my songs and putting on the back of the LP. Muddy Waters wrote this, and then, then people wondered who was Muddy Waters. Uh -huh. But then nobody knew who I was. Uh -huh. And so they called Muddy. And before I left Louisiana, they said, be careful there because you can get mugged. And I didn't know they called Muddy the Mud. Mm -hmm. So he came up and slapped me, and my ears was ringing, and they said, that's the mud. I said, oh, my God, I'm getting mugged. <laughs> <laughs> but and you went, you, he gave you a sandwich and, and said, he here, uh, let me give you the salami sandwich. Yes. You're not going back to Louisiana. Was that what it was? That's exactly what he said. And when, he, when, I, when, he, when I found out he was Muddy Waters, I told him, and I wasn't hungry. I said, if you Muddy Waters, I'm full. I sure hope you dug that breakdown. That truly is just the tip of the iceberg. But I wanted to pull a couple of things into focus here because I think they're pretty darn useful and certainly unique to Muddy Waters. Now, with all that being said, how'd you like the show? Let me know in the comments below. And secondly, do you have a favorite Muddy Waters tune? Go ahead and plunk that in the comments down below as well. Okay, all that being said, I gotta get the desk out because it is time for acoustic news you can use. First up on the news docket today is an acoustic guitar taking center stage on a hockey broadcast. Yes, NHL on TNT features two of my favorite hockey personalities, actually features a lot of my favorite hockey personalities, but two, uh, Henrik Lundqvist and Paul Bissonette, also known as Biz Nasty, uh, from the Spittin' Chicklets podcast, performed a song. Henrik Lundqvist was on guitar, Paul Bissonette sang, as an ode to Rick Tockett, who just got a coaching job with, uh, I believe he's with Seattle. No, he's not with Seattle. He's with Vancouver. Sorry. He's with Vancouver. Uh, he used to be a broadcaster on TNT, one of the personalities, and uh, he left the, uh, the panel there. And this was a fitting tribute. And I wanted to share it with you because it just shows that the acoustic guitar is a wondrous, wondrous thing. Here they are. I hope you had the time of your life. One more time, Hank. It's something unpredictable. Now, you have to see this inlay from Simon Haycraft of Thompson Guitars. This stunned me because I thought it was a 3D computer rendering. I thought it was not real, but upon further examination, this is very real. Simon inlaid an agave farmer on the headstock of a Thompson guitar, and between the material choice the general artistry and craftsmanship that went into this, I am stunned. The texture that he was able to achieve 
in the actual clothing of the farmer is, I mean, mind-blowing. And I, I truly mean that. I keep looking at this, trying to see the material that was used, but instead, I just literally see clothing. Um, just excellent work. I wanted to call your attention to that because it's just one of those things that what a time to be alive. I mean, folks that can do this kind of creative work in the world of guitar, just awesome. Uh, kudos to you, Simon. Uh, just just fantastic stuff. Uh, now, speaking of fantastic, I would like you to meet a fantastic TAC family member, Mike G. I had a chance to interview Mike G during the last 90-day progress party that we did within Tony's Acoustic Challenge. It's a chance for the whole TAC family to get together, talk about their guitar routine, talk about their goals, and actually communicate with one another. And part of this progress party is me interviewing TAC family members. Mike G was one of them. And the first question I asked him was, what effect has Tony's Acoustic Challenge had on you as a guitar player, uh, in your guitar routine, in your, well, your acoustic life. And here's what he had to say. The the best thing I can say, I've been with TAC for three and a half years now, and I played guitar on my own, which means more off than on for 20 years before that. And what I tell people all the time in, in a, a summary is that TAC gave me an acoustic life. I play every day. I, if if I wasn't a lifetime member, I you have taken me to the point where I wouldn't need help to play every day and maintain my my acoustic life and and to keep expanding on the guitar. Now, being a lifetime member of TAC just makes that easier. Mike has been a longtime TAC family member, and my follow up question was, what is the secret to your guitar routine? How do you keep it so regular? And more importantly, how do you keep achieving success on his terms? Now, success is different from for, for everybody, and I want to be very clear there, but it seems as though Mike is living his best acoustic life, and Mike is achieving consistent progress day in and day out. So again, I asked him, what's his secret? And he revealed a little bit about his guitar journey, but also there's a little wisdom nugget in here that I think is incredible. And it has to do with being clear about your goal and being clear about what success looks like to you. It's unique for everyone. Mike has just a very eloquent way of saying it. So here he is. That's a very simple question to answer because what what I try to share with people who are new and, they, and they've got these big ideas, um, we, Okay, if you don't define things really clearly, you end up failing. Like, um, I I I want to uh, play a solo and and just be able to be good. Well, okay, what what does that mean? Because the better you get, you always wish you were better. You always have things that you haven't. Uh, accomplished yet and it always takes longer than you want so so you have to somehow find your way through those tough spots where you get discouraged and for me that's super simple because I'm a member of tech it's like well you know I'm in a down period I don't know what to do oh yes I do I'll sign on to tech and do the daily lesson and 
you know, in a week or two weeks, I'm I'm fired up again. We, and and this up and down is just life, and we all go through it. And and tack keeps me on this level playing, where I'm just a guitar player. And as much as anything, not because I get up on the stage and make money, but because I belong to Tack. So what does it all mean? A question I think all of us ask ourselves at some point in our lifetimes. And Mike has thought about this when it comes to the guitar in his life. What place does it have? What does playing guitar mean to him? And he's found great purpose with the guitar. He's found its purpose in his life so that he can use the acoustic guitar as a means to be fulfilled, as a means to have joy. And again, I think he, he speaks about it with high regard because the guitar is very clearly important to him. And I would say just in the last couple of years, he's actually found why it's so important. And well, here's why. And I finally realized why, since I'm never going to be famous, what is the purpose of my music and my guitar journey? It's to write songs to help me process my emotions. It's like I always wanted to write a, a book on, you know, uh, life's wisdom. Well, now I'm writing songs about what I learned, what I understand, what I experience in life. And boy, is it fulfilling for me. Thanks to Mike for sharing his guitar journey with us. And a key piece of his guitar journey, as you heard, is his guitar routine. He is a TAC family member, and every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, we focus on the five essential skills involved in learning any song that you want. On Mondays, we do a technique challenge. Tuesdays, a guitar lick challenge. Wednesdays, an improvisation challenge. Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge. And Fridays, a chord transition challenge. It is Tuesday. The Tack family is working on a guitar lick. And I wanted to give you a sneak peek. Here it is. Your Tuesday Tack guitar lick challenge is named Golden Brown Perfection because that is what indicates a perfectly baked pie crust. Yes, it is pie week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge this week. Every single challenge has some sort of pie theme to it. Now, uh, your, your lick for today really uses, uh, rather really utilizes dead strokes for impact. Okay, so often we play steady streams of notes, oftentimes right on the eighth notes, one and two and three and four and. It's almost as if they become dynamically flat. Whereas if you integrate dead strokes or muted strokes or just quite simply leave off a note on the downbeat, all of a sudden the next note seems to hold that much more importance. Let me go ahead and play through this for you so you can hear what it sounds like and then I'll explain why this is so useful and why it's so easy to use while you're playing a guitar solo. Okay, first, here is the lick. You're gonna notice that the majority of that lick is the same. The only thing that changes is the ending note. 
Now hang on to that for a second because I'll explain why that is so important. But first, tech family, if you wanna learn this note for note, please log in, this is your daily challenge. Click on start challenge, that'll take you to the teaching video. Once you get it under your fingers, move to the play along video, adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you. And then don't forget to click on that tab icon in the lower right hand corner, that will open up the tab in a separate window. Okay, so this lick is not best used as a fill. You know, a lot of times I'll show examples of a lick within context of me strumming a chord, going to the lick, and then coming back to the chord. Physically and timing-wise, this lick doesn't really cater that well to that. However, this lick finds itself most at home in a guitar solo, specifically in the key of D major or in the key of B minor. B minor being the relative minor to D major. But the reason this is effective is because number one, it's easy. And number two, it gives a nod to the chord that you're playing it over. Case in point, what I'm gonna do is take this lick and the note that I land on will reflect the chord that it belongs over. Now, in some cases, I'll land on the root of that chord. In other cases, I'll land on a note that is associated with that chord, be it the first degree, the third degree, or the fifth degree. Let me go ahead and explain. I'm gonna play this lick, and the note that I land on, I'll just pause there for a second, and then I'll play the chord that it works over. Okay, here's how that sounds. I'm landing on that, I guess that would be a B note. Works over a B minor chord, right? Now here's the cool thing. The next note that I'll land on at the end of the lick is a D note, which will help it work over a D major chord. Check this out. I'll just show you one more example and then I'll explain why this is so useful and why I, I think it's so awesome and something that you can add to your playing, whether you just started playing guitar solos or whether you're, you know, it's old hat to you. Okay, so the final example, I'll stop on an E note. It'll work over an E minor chord. Check this out. Now this goes to show that there's a little bit of a recency effect going on here in that the lick leading up to that final note contains a series of notes, a series of notes that feels comfortable, a series of notes that, that were pretty, you know, pretty associated with, you know, second or third time through the lick. But that final note is what brings it all together because that is what's pointing at the chord that's playing. So I bring this up because uh, one of two things. Uh, number one, you can use this lick. It will work great for you. And just remember that last note will indicate what chord you're playing it over. But if you're playing your own solo, if you're creating, creating your own licks, all of a sudden you can use the same series of notes, alter that final note, and you can have almost an entire solo based on a single lick just by altering that final note to reflect the chord that it's being played over. I think it's a great technique. I think it's something that, that you should try. Will it work all the time? No, but it's really awesome to try this out and realize that it works more often than not. 
Which brings me to something that I wanna talk to you about. This is relatively simple. The concept is relatively simple. Play a lick, play some notes from the scale, from the key that you're playing in, and then that final note will be a note that indicates what chord is going on. Pretty simple. We don't have to make things difficult. You can repeat the same note. You can repeat the same lick. It's okay, it's not cheating. You're not taking a shortcut. In fact, in my opinion, some of the most memorable guitar solos have repeated phrases, repeating the same notes, repeating the same series of notes. And I think as, as guitar players, we fall into this trap of needing everything to be new and, and having to cram a bunch of notes into a solo, a bunch of notes into a lick. That doesn't always have to be the case. Yeah, that's fun sometimes, nothing wrong with it. But it's okay to strip things down to the bare necessities. It's okay to strip things down to the few notes that work and then really lean on those notes pretty hard. Again, it's not cheating, it's not taking a shortcut. So if, if something is simple and it sounds good, don't worry about making it more complicated. Just play it for what it is, a nice, simple, effective melodic line or guitar lick. Your second dose of acoustic news includes a plethora of new music, new albums you can pre-order right now, one of which you can actually order order as in it's out already. Uh, Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley's uh, Living in a Song, a fantastic album, top to bottom. We're talking songs, we're talking compositions, we're talking vocals, we're talking instrumentation. Checks all the boxes. Make sure to get that album on its way to your door right this very second. Uh, next up, a new album from Mighty Poplar, coming out March 31st. Who the hell is Mighty Poplar? Well, a couple of these names will, uh, sound familiar. Noam Pakelny, Andrew Marlin, Greg Garrison, Alex Hargreaves, and um, wow, talk about an instrumental powerhouse. Um, I got nothing. I got nothing. Chris Eldridge is in there. Um, just some of the hottest pickers around and just um, a hell of a band. That's coming out March 31st. Make sure to uh, go ahead and pre-order that. Next up on the new album list, uh, one of my favorite bands, Joseph, uh, three sisters, and if you dig harmony, you dig these guys, okay? These gals, I should say. They have a new album entitled The Sun coming out on April 28th. And um, wow, it's uh, if it's anything like the initial song they released called Nervous System, you're gonna dig it. I know I certainly dug it. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and listen to that song right now. Here's Nervous System by Joseph. And you know what? I wasn't gonna feature songs from all of these new albums, but I have to. You have to hear little bits and pieces of these. So let's go back to Mighty Poplar, uh, the, the acoustic supergroup I mentioned before. Their new album comes out March 31st. They released a single entitled Up on the Divide, and here it is. Been 22 years since I gathered stones and 22 more since I made her by pride. And the springtime's coming up on the divide. Springtime's coming up on the divide. 
And since we're just going in reverse, I may as well feature a song off of Rob and Trey's new album. Here they are playing Way Downtown. Way downtown, fooling around, took me to the jail. Oh, me and it's oh my, no one to go my bail. Okay, back on track. Another new album you can pre-order right now. It's coming out on March 24th, and it's from Nickel Creek. It's entitled Celebrants, and yes, they have released a single from it entitled Strangers, and here it is. And one more new album I want to mention. Actually, I want to mention two new albums. What the hell? May as well. We're on the topic. Uh, the first new album has been released already from Adrian Blue. It's entitled Scarab. It's off of Candy Rat Records. And wow, wow, wow. We're going to listen to the title track right now. I've listened to this numerous times before it was released and now since it's been released with this video and just an intoxicating tune. Here it is. And we may as well come full circle. The final album that is new that you can pre-order right now, I don't have a release date for this one, is from Caitlin Canty, one of my all-time favorite singer-songwriters. She's releasing an album entitled Quiet Flame. You can pre-order it right now. And yes, she has released a single off of it entitled Blue Sky Moon. We're gonna listen to it in a second, but first, here's the cast of characters involved in this album. Chris Eldridge, hmm, that sounds familiar. He's in that new band, Mighty Poplar. Uh, let's see, Brittany Haas, amazing fiddle player. Sarah Jarose, you're probably familiar with her, just a fantastic all-around instrumentalist and vocalist and songwriter. Paul Cowart from um, Punch Brothers on bass. Uh, let's see, Andrew Marlin on vocals, hmm, he sounds familiar too. Oh yeah, he's from that new band, uh, Mighty Poplar, also from Watch House, formerly Mandolin Orange. Uh, let's see, who else? Oh, Noam Pekilny on, uh, on guitar, a plectrum guitar on this. Phenomenal banjo player, also in the Punch Brothers, also in Mighty Poplar. Um, yeah, so this is cool. Real excited for this. Uh, again, Caitlin Canty's new album, Quiet Flame. I don't have a release date for you yet, but yes, there is a single we can listen to. It's entitled Blue Sky Moon, and here it is. Between two Are you exhausted? I'm, I'm exhausted. That's a lot of new music. And what an exciting time because you know each of these entities, each of these bands is going to follow these album releases up with a tour. More than likely, it's going to happen during summer. It's going to be an awesome summer. It's going to be an awesome summer. It's always an awesome summer. This summer is going to be extra special because, well, we got all this new music to enjoy. Okay, lastly on the news docket, if you have a spare 20 bucks laying around, 
you could win a banjo worth far more than 20 bucks and you can help a great cause. Uh, Pisgah Banjos is raffling off a banjo that looks absolutely beautiful. All proceeds will benefit the IBMA Arnold Schultz Fund. Uh, you can find out more on the Pisca Banjos website. Again, raffle tickets are 20 bucks. And um, I mean, how awesome is that? Support a great cause and get a chance to win a stellar banjo from a stellar maker. Now, this is very important. Today is the 21st. This raffle ends on the 28th. You have yourself a full seven days, one full week, to purchase raffle tickets. Don't wait, just do it right now because here's what's gonna happen. It's all of a sudden gonna be, does, does February have 29 days? February 29th or March 1st? I don't know. It's gonna be the day after February 28th and you're gonna think to yourself, ah, I should've just bought a single raffle ticket. I should've just done that, but I didn't because I didn't do it right now or I didn't do it when I heard of it and now I'm, I'm SOL. I don't want you to be in that boat. So just after the show, head on over to Pisgah Banjos, spend the 20 bucks, get yourself a raffle ticket, support a great cause and possibly win an awesome banjo. Again, from an awesome maker. Uh, with that, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show with those plunky banjo notes. I had to throw that in there. Um, and uh, first we have to take a sneak peek into next week before I wrap things up. And next week, we're gonna talk about Huss and Dalton, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna share with you my five favorite Huss and Dalton guitars. One of my favorite, dare I say, under the radar makers. I haven't mentioned them all too much on the Acoustic Tuesday show, but they happen to be one of my faves. And I'm gonna share with you my five favorite guitars that they make. That's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And I wanna thank you so much for joining me today. And please do remember this, your success on the guitar, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing a regular guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Fun should be your top priority because that's what keeps you coming back to the guitar. If you have fun, you keep coming back. If you, have, if you keep coming back, you get better and you achieve that consistent progress. Bada bing, bada boom. Again, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers, guitar geeks unite.